everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Satiate today. I'm Sue Van Rees, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, author, and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats, both locally and internationally. Food has so much power. Power to nourish, to strengthen, and to connect us to one another. That said, it's a true rarity to find a woman today who is at peace with her plate, with how she eats, how she looks, and how she feels in her body. Satiate is here to engage in meaningful conversation about what it really means to have food and body freedom, to show up in life as who you really are, to trust yourself tracking the intelligent design of your body, and to prosper with embodied self-care in doing so. Satiate offers you functional nutrition and food psychology insights. Some of my favorite special guests and experts from all over the world. And some personal insights and anecdotes that can act as salve for your soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That way, you'll be sure to be alerted when new episodes are published and help me spread the word so that other women in need can find their way to this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. I'm so excited to share with you today's conversation and this fun and lively connection that I am so excited about with my new friend, Jules Blaine Davis. Jules Blaine Davis, the kitchen healer, is a TED speaker and one of Goop's leading experts on women's healing. She has led transformational gatherings, retreats, and client journeys for over 15 years. To gather more about her and her new book, The Kitchen Healer, recently published by Sounds True, visit her at JulesBlaineDavis.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did recording it, and let's dive into today's episode. Jules, I'm so excited to be with you. Oh, thanks, Sue. Thanks for having me. It's um, been really, really fun for me to get to know your work and you and see so many different layers of our you know, of our lives that overlap. And it's, um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and huge congratulations on the book coming out. Hmm, Thank you. Thank you. So um, why don't we start with just simply like how you're doing today and where you're, where you're coming in from? Hmm. That is such a great beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yes. How are you? How where, let's get current. Um, that is such a great like beginning, right? Instead of dive, diving in, diving into ourselves first. I, I always say that's, I, I do that too <laughs> when I'm leading something. So thanks for bringing me into my body there. Uh, <laughs> always. I'm feeling super grateful. You know, the book's been out for, uh, it'll be almost a week. And so um, just 
kind of watching it and letting it lead me is um is kind of where I'm at you know a lot of personal things you know life is in session no matter what's happening and um and all the fantasies that we have around what it must be like with a book coming out or you know whatever the almost anticlimactic experiences that even the culture will put on or that are sold to us and you know it's a Monday <laughs> you and I are are recording this I'm like is it a Monday I hope so yes it's a Monday and uh and it's you know we're inside the holiday time which is so potent for this conversation and um and I'm I'm grateful to be here with you you know thanks for inviting me to just take a breath uh, and get into my body, which is um, mm. something I invite us to do over and over again in the book. So, Yeah, always. Being in our bodies, I actually just taught a yoga class before this conversation. So I've been really doing a lot of breathing and getting super body centered. And I feel like that really matches up with so much of what I've been reading about in your book and about the kitchen healer and you and all of your kitchen beauty that you bring and the, you know, just the, the book I've been enjoying so many different aspects of it, you know, the, the recipes and this comforting vibe that you really created with this like welcoming warmth that is so you. And I can see like, that is just so who you are. And I love that authenticity that you bring in your writing. It's so nourishing for me. Mm. Um, I'd love to just kind of start with like telling us a little bit about what is a kitchen healer? And I know some of the answer to that question, having read some of your book, but I would love to hear from you in just this you know, Jules way of sharing this gift you bring to the world that is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, I'm curious about what you think a kitchen healer is. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> now that you've read a little bit of the book, what, what is a kitchen healer? So um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what, what lights you up too. So we'll have to go back and forth, of course. Totally. Um, totally. But in terms of, you know, what is a kitchen healer? I mean, it, it's so many things, you know, it, it, I, I would say that, you know, um, where one might need a kitchen healer um, is, is where each person gets to decide what a kitchen healer is, because um, it's so custom. It's so custom to each person. Um, and what I can share with you in the realms of being a kitchen healer, and of course, in the beginning of the book, there's an entire origin story that's pretty much big. It's a big part of the beginning of the book, actually, many, many pages of, you know, how I came to even be a kitchen healer and where the term, you know, I don't really remember the exact day the term came in, but why, why, why a kitchen healer? And so um, I would say that um, the, the clearest way to describe what a kitchen healer is came to me after writing this book. Um, handing in one of the final drafts and I realized I'm a grief holder mm. and and that is what um came so clearly it was like oh I'm a I'm a grief holder um and and other and other ways we could look at it is you know if you know 12-step recovery I'm I've been a sponsor really of this kind of work 
this, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that, um, but in recovery, and I like to call it also discovery, um, you know, uh, we need holders. We need uh, another, another part of my bio and some, one of the many bios is, you know, being a midwife to life, you know, a, a doula of, um, you know, just holding who we're becoming. And so th- those are a few swatches of fabric and what do they mean to, to you and to each um, person listening, you know, it, it gets to change and shift because healing and grieving, um, transforming, um, rewriting our stories, they're all nonlinear acts of love, really. Yeah. They're, they're, they're acts of love. And so, um, yeah, so that I hope that at least lights a few candles into a, a, a newly dark room, you know, making light in, a, in maybe an unknown room as we begin today's conversation. Totally. I um, have a lot of my own self-nourishment and my own being that loves being in the kitchen and, you know, there's days where sometimes it's a little bit automatic and we're doing the things and making the dinners and cleaning up. And it's like, you know, after the pandemic that became very apparent how much work that is and can be um, with many people to feed. And then other days when I really soften into the kitchen, you know, there is just so much there. And that's really what I wanted to also highlight about your work and your writing and all that you're doing is like the space of being together in the kitchen where there is this nourishment of maybe food cooking on the stove or baking in the oven, or there's a kettle boiling and making a pot of tea, you know, there's also these conversations. And I think that in learning a little bit more about your work, these conversations are pinnacle to some of our, you know, grief experience and healing and holding and sharing and to that rewriting of our stories and to that coming home to ourselves and to that ability to be together, especially as women. I know for me, I raised both kids at home, single mom. And so people always came over because I couldn't leave that much in certain phases of motherhood. So I was always like, come over, come over, come over. And my boys sat in the kitchen with so many women just like listening to their stories. And I always used to say, like, you guys know how to do girl talk more more, better than most women, you know. Um, But it reminds me of how you've been like kind of describing the, you know, this this beautiful healing that happens. And so tell me a little bit about your kitchen, Jules. I'm so I I love I love seeing your boys. How old are your boys now? Um, well, my youngest turned 22 this week. I just had a birthday party for him last night. Unbelievable. And then I have 25. Yeah. Incredible. Oh yeah. my gosh. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have also two kids and um, <clears throat> they're a little, they're, they're, they're not as, they're not in their twenties, but they're, they're getting there. <laughs> no rush. Um, but yeah, the being in the kitchen. And I guess what, what really came to me, and then I'll totally share my kitchen with you and all of us here. Um, while you were sharing and describing that, you know, I have, I, I do tend to, um, it's almost like a filtering system, like filtering out the fantasies. 
I don't know why I have this in my mind, but I think it's really an enormous part of my um, heart service, like what, how I really truly um, hold us. And one of, one of the things is piercing the fantasy of um, what things may sound like, or, oh, I'm never in my kitchen, or, um, yeah, I don't know that warm feeling, or, you know, all the things you were just describing, like having everybody come over, that's me too. Um, it's easier <laughs> than going anywhere. I'm like, this <laughs> is going to be some, people are like, where should we go for dinner? I'm like, just come over, so much easier. Um, it's not so much easier for, you know, 95% of people in America. Yeah. Um, and I, I speak to it very specifically in America because um, I talk a lot about the culture and how hungry mm -hmm. the culture is yeah. and how we're really living and growing our children, raising our kids, mothering ourselves inside a super, super hungry body of a culture. And so that means you have to become a pioneer because you don't have another option. There's no one modeling how to do life and nourish life, very different. How to have mm -hmm. a nourishing life and do the emails and run the business and single mother and parent the, you know, all of it, just have values in your home. And then the kids, got, I mean, that there's like you were just saying the pandemic and the, and being in the kitchen. I mean, Every hour, you better be preparing the next meal. I mean, it was it was like a restaurant, you know. Was. Was, and there was no closing between two and five. No. Like, <laughs> you know, that's where Woodboard Love could come in. But I mean, even with the Woodboard Love, then the smoothie, then the, you know, and it's like that can be for someone who's not really interested in being in the kitchen, or there's so much grief, shame, and vulnerability in there. I mean, that's that'll put you under the mattress, you know. And oh so, yeah you know, I, I'm there, I'm under the mattress with you, you know, and I'm also totally, even like the idea of a pot of tea almost feels overwhelming compared to a cup. It's like mm -hmm. one moment at a time, one, but for us, it might feel like, you know, we're just woven in and I can get out of it in a second. I have two interviews and then an email. And then I got a sense that some, even sending wood boards out, is a different energy than being on the email or taking a call. They all have different, for me, they have such, they're like a different, they're like Roy G. Biv, right? They're like totally different colors. So I'm like, okay, how do I make a tea when I have to make it to the post op? And then I got to, and we're all doing this, right? Yes, in our lives. Totally. Like I'm speaking to all of us, right? Where it's Absolutely. me too medicine all over the place. And so in that, like how the heck, Am I going to make sure that by the time the kids come home or, or, or like it's a nourishing, soft, yummy feeling when you came from any trauma, addiction, anything switching, borderline narcissism. I mean, like name the thing that shaped you. Right. So my work is truly about, I'll probably be answering the question of what is a kitchen healer throughout the conversation. It's like my work <laughs> is like, I'm that bridge. I, I want to have the, the conversation. This conversation is just another, another, you know, beautiful offering on that bridge to really not getting into the kitchen, but getting closer to ourselves. Yeah. Right. Like I was just sharing earlier. It's like, you know, I could be at a restaurant for lunch and I'm thinking about dinner 
And I'm like, what, maybe I could get some roasted veg here because I'm not gonna have enough time for that to just be an easeful experience. And so if it's not gonna be easeful, I wanna make it easeful. That's my high value. My high value is let's make this useful. So maybe we'll get a little soup, few soups here for tonight. And then, you know, and the person I'm with is like, what? You, wow, you're really, you're really doing it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm getting ahead of it. It's actually a term in my work. Like I'm totally, let's, and she's like, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that too. Cause we, we don't, again, the culture hasn't shown that. And then, oh, what are you made of a million dollars? Oh, what do you do? You know, like we, the scarcity story comes in and then all the stories come in as to, why we can't make it easy. Yeah. It's so, it's so major, you know, it's such a wide chat. Um, it really is. Yeah. So going into my kitchen, my kitchen is, she's small and, and fierce and she gets messy really fast. And so, you know, right now my sink is filled with dishes. Um, and so my kitchen is an unconditional lover. <laughs> I love and, it. and and I make her that right by how I I could get really stressed about that and be like, you know, oh, if I don't clear this up, then what I see is chaos, and then I feel chaotic, and that's very true. That's why I know that so well. I can be really clear about that because what I see feels like what's happening. Um, and then some days I can be like, no, I'm not doing that right now because I want to be able to put the music on and get through it. And right now I'm not going to be able to do that. So I'm going to give myself some grace and I'm going to make a tea. And, you know, so if I can make something more of a ritual, I'm better at being inside the doing. Oh, I love that. I love it. You know, it's like, I love that you can say your kitchen is your unconditional lover and that it, it's kind of like, come as you are. I mean, come as you are to your kitchen and your kitchen can show up back however she is in whatever state, because we know that sometimes the state of our kitchen is not <laughs> looking like Pottery Barn. Um, <laughs> and, sure. and and other times, you know, it can be just, just right. But I love that there's this acceptance and that, you know, you can really bring your whole self there in that space. Um something I, I wanted to say was, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that happens in a kitchen. And I know for me, like having spoken to so many women over the years in my business and my practice and friends and community, this piece about dinner can be so stressful and, you know, what we're going to cook. And I think most women can attest to having had days if not a lot of days where we're just like, oh, like I don't, this is the piece hanging over my head, like the quintessential question, like what's for dinner? Yesterday, I had a lot of little things I wanted to do because of the book and because of it being Sunday. And then I also had this birthday dinner for my son on deck and um, I got into the kitchen and I had all these groceries and I was making him his like favorite dinner and I had all this stuff in my head and I was kind of holding on to like, maybe I'll have a chance to go work on this chapter in a little bit. Maybe I'll have a chance to go and do this task or that task. And it was kind of weighing me down, you know, and um, I wasn't really able to be fully present at first. And 
then I saw that and I took a moment and I was like, oh, I can let all that go. Like, what would it be like to be in this kitchen? If I let all that go, it's Sunday, you know, it's, (laughs) it's a day where it's like perfect to just be present in the kitchen. And, and so I did, and I dropped all those little tasks and, you know, turned on some music and it became this joyful thing Mm. so quickly, Mm. whereas before it was kind of like this task. And, you know, it just kind of reminded me of what you were saying, like, when we can be there and be present with ourselves and bring in the ritual and bring in the breath and bring in our sense and just smelling and tasting and savoring. It's a, such a different thing, you know, than the rat race of daily life. Oh, and I mean, such it's, it's risky, you know, it's like it, we, you know, you were able to find it cause you're in it, you know, you're in this work and you're in the world of it and, and it, and it can feel so risky to let go. It can feel, I mean, it's such a courage to go, you know what, that can, you know, that can wait. Or, you know, for me, I, you described such a, a such a beautiful scene that is such a me too for me, um, me too all around. And, you know, the, the beauty in that is um, when I'm, when I'm in that position or in that place, which is literally every other hour, Um, I just, the letting go, how do I, how do I get to the place of letting go? Um, I'll, I'll share a few things. One, one is a writing tip, um, that comes to mind and again, take what you want and leave the rest. But what I would do is it would, for me, it's always about the bridge. Like, okay, what's, I can't get to the desk and I'm, I set myself up to do this dinner, you know, what do I, and then, so I'll just record while I'm cooking. There you go. And so like, if whatever was on you needed to be shared, it's like, I just, just record yourself while you're in there. Yeah. So like permission all around, you know, and, you know, cause the struggle is real. Like totally. it's a Sunday. I want to, you know, and I, I think we probably both think this and probably many people listening that like, you know, there's 50 hours in a day for me, I can't seem to get the, the clue that I really only have maybe one hour. (laughs) And so I put so much in my day, which is almost, I mean, it's a harmful act, right? Over and over again, you're like, listen, one thing a day, you know, Um, give yourself that because if you're writing a book or you're inside a creative project, which can be mothering, which can be anything, living is a creative project, you know, giving yourself the space to, to be in that and, and do in that. And so I loved you just dropping it all because the cooking, which is totally also aligned with your book is gonna, it's like the fire and all the elements. Like we think we're in control. Ha ha. It's like (laughs) the meal is going to inform what that chapter is going to be. And so it's like, oh, right. Okay. Right. I'm not the one tinkering all the puppetry all right, there's a bigger source. I'm going to let go. And that's just, I love that you share that because it's, 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 I call it the quiet work. It's mm-hmm. because it's quiet. Like, it's not like you're putting it on Instagram. You know, I, I have so many clients who are like, I put the shoes on and no one notices. I'm like, I do, you know, it's like, cause, cause really it's not about anybody else. It really yeah. is like, it's when are you done with this old story? And when you're ready to change it, you know, it's not a, it's not a bestseller like Oscar moment. It's, it's, it's a quiet, it's quiet. 
it's quiet and profound. So I, I love that you shared that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jules. I love that we just sort of brought up this part of your, I think your greater mission and maybe your greater dharma and purpose in the world. But I love this this place that you are writing and rewriting and healing and the stories that you share and that other women share in their journeys. And I'd love to hear a little more about like bringing our stories and, and how this healing happens within this way of grief holding and of community and of cooking and of being together and of, you know, being in that sort of sacred sisterhood, really, in a sense, um, together in the kitchen, metaphorically or not. Um, can you speak a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I would say that, um, we are stories, you know, that's what we carry. Our bodies carry stories. That is how we become who we are. Um, and I would say that, you know, we'll start with the beginning of our lives, which is, you know, in our homes of origin, you know, whatever was modeled is how we're shaped. And so things that are modeled are through stories. They're not through, it's not like you wake up and your mom is at a, you know, um, a chalkboard writing down the notes for the day. She's, she's either up or she's not, or she, or, or there is no mother and the caretaker is a, a father or, or a grandmother or, you know, whatever it is, like it already has a story. And mm-hmm. so how you're waking up in the mornings, which is a really big part of what this work really, I would say the foundation, the taproot of this work is how you woke up in your home of origin, you know, and wherever you go, like wherever you go, Sue, like whether you're eight or 12 or six or, you know, and what the sense, the felt sense of your home was, you know, at that time. I mean, would you be open to 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 share like what comes to you mm-hmm. as I'm even speaking? You know, what popped up? Yeah, actually, I think um, I, I saw something about this in your book and we can circle back to that in a minute. But what comes up for me right off the top of my head is the sound and, you know, my family, my mom was British, is British. And so there's a lot of tea, a lot of tea drinking in my house, black tea. Um, in fact, all other tea was abnormal tea and black tea was just tea. Black tea was regular tea. In fact, I remember asking my dad what kind of tea he wanted when I, you know, lived on my own and he'd be like, just regular tea. Like, oh my God, I love that. There's, like, only there's one no tea herbal tea. Black. There was no peppermint and chamomile. It was like, there was there was the 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 Earl Grey you know I love it so that was one thing but really the sound and I think I read something about this in your book the sound that I would hear when I would wake up is my dad he stirred his tea a lot with a spoon you know and it would hit the sides and that was the um the morning Mm -hmm. of most of my childhood I think and he was up early so I think he was up most of the time before me and hence hearing the tea, um, stirring in the kitchen. Um, yeah, that's the very first thing that came to mind. Um, it's the feeling of that, like, Oh, dad's up. And it was like a loving feeling or was it like, Oh dad, I got to get up. Or was it like, what did it come with? I think most of the time, most of the time it evoked sort of a comfort for me. Um, 
different phases of my life were different depending on, right. you know, there was definitely the rebellious teenager years, um, where that also came with me coming into the kitchen in my ripped jeans and my, you know, sort of, you know, maybe too much makeup on, uh, for my dad or, and he did not like ripped jeans, um, at all. So there would be like the coming into the kitchen and hearing the, the tea and the spoon. And then there would be this, like, you know, is this acceptable? Like, and if it wasn't acceptable, my clothing or my makeup or my hair or the ear that I pierced the night before with an ice cube in my bedroom, <laughs> if that wasn't accessible, that was definitely not um, acceptable. Um, I did have to take that one out. Um, yeah. So then I would often push it and, um, I'd have, you know, I'd have to go change, um, or I would put the clothes in my bag and then change and then bring them to my friend's house and then put them on so that I could go to school in them without him the same outfit. You know, so there was a little bit of that in there for sure of like being approved of and accepted and mm. um but the kitchen was fairly nourishing in general in my house. Um there was also a lot of toast. Um <laughs> I love yeah. that. So I love all the British things. Crumbly. I know there was toast. And I still, I recently took a picture of my dad when I was home, not that long ago, there was also cheese whiz. Um, oh my gosh. And there's still cheese whiz. Oh which is my gosh. That shifts up the British vibe. I know. Sure. Right. That was definitely, definitely not so British, but yeah, my dad really still, he still puts cheese whiz on his toast. He's 85. Um, visiting me tomorrow for Thanksgiving and still. Oh my gosh. Good man. Good man. Yeah. Just really solid, you know, yeah. in his, in his uh, hunger. <laughs> totally. Lots of um, cereal, lots of special K. Cause you know, don't pinch an inch. Oh my um, gosh. Oh yeah. my gosh. So. This is so perfect. Sue. like this story, thank you so much for being open to sharing this. Cause it's, I'm just see. I'm seeing. I'm learning about you, which is such a beautiful thing. <laughs> I'm also seeing how and where that story, just that basic, really like where we can all go, haha, totally rebelling teen, you know. Mm -hmm. And the deeper piece of not being accepted for the expression you were inside of that you had to go hide and change somewhere else in order to be out in the world as, as who you truly were in that moment, even though it was going to totally change because we always are, but definitely at that age and where that's followed you and how long you've carried that. Totally. Because he was, you know, our parents are, they're gods. They're such strong figures in our lives. And so just the fact that the spoon in the tea can then become the many things that it is. That's the story, to go back to your original question. These are the stories we carry yeah. in our lives and where we have to go hide to change and where we are still not really accepted. So then we don't accept ourselves. Like even before we started the recording, I said, I'm ready whenever you are. I don't care when we start it because it's all good. It's all going to serve. And it's like, let me just put on the thing and make sure it's good and perfect. And then we're going to turn it on. And it's like, that's the spoon in his tea, which is so cool and fascinating because the minute you start to really know the story from that nourishment place, 
you get to change it now when you stir your tea. You get to stir yourself into that tea and you get to say to yourself that girl, I accept you fully. I love all the parts of you. How do you want to express yourself today? Right? We get to like have this super intimate, again, super quiet experience with our own story because he didn't know. He didn't, we didn't grow up with parents who were like, I wonder if, I mean, it's very rare if you did, please write me and tell me how it went. But in terms of the parents who were like, this decision is going to mean that my children as adults will be, I mean, that's just not what was happening in the 60s, 70s, 80s. That was, that is this generation and the many parents now of mindfulness and nonviolent communication. And we're like learning about like, oh, okay, the choice I make and how I'm modeling everything gives them somewhat of a chance. Maybe we'll find out. But it wasn't in our parent. My, my mom wasn't like, if I break this mirror one more time, I wonder how Jules is going to do when she's 40. You know, like that, that wasn't right. in the right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. The stories. There is so much nuance, like tea stirring. Let's just keep that as our so good. Before. But there is so much nuance that we can bring through both the memories, but also like the sensation. Like I have the sensation mm-hmm. in my body right now that's probably really old, right. you know, and tender and oh, so tender. Thank you for bringing me there. I wasn't even thinking I would be there. Just to- I'm so grateful that you were open to telling me the story. I mean, it's so, it's so, it's so vulnerable, mm. but it, but you know, and again, it could be, it could be anyone. My, my headlamp is in this area and it's poetic. And it, I mean, it's like, we just wrote like nine poems of your dad stirring and the different age ranges. Cause it was, you just shared that like a lot of it was kind of wonderful and okay and safe and good. And, and then this one part, which is pretty crucial time and there's no one to blame. It's like, he didn't yeah. know. Yeah. He just wanted to make sure you weren't going to be in like an alley with a gang of guys. I mean, like, you know, he's thinking about protecting his daughter. Totally. And how fascinating that like just the tea and then who we become is all wrapped up in that from that morning time. Yeah. So incredible. Yeah. And it's so ever evolving, right? These stories and these pieces of ourselves and the ways in which we heal. Like, I don't think I'll ever stir my tea quite the same way from here on out, but also like all the other little pieces of the story. And, you know, I have been actually doing a lot of inner kind of excavating around this for my book and some of the stories that I'm sharing in my writing that are related to food similar to you. And so um, that one's not in there, but it's definitely evoked some emotion. Not and yet. So, yeah, right. Um, but there was some about the like, you know, the the sugary cereals and and how I'm hypoglycemic and you know these pieces of the story that are just like, oh wow, like no wonder I was a mess, you know, half the time um, right. because you know we did eat all carbs for breakfast every single day. Right. And I was such I a mean, mess. Cereal is like the worst thing ever. I know. I mean, it, right? But, but then again, it could also be someone's like soft place to land. 
perfectly. Right. Absolutely. Because it's so cozy and it puts you to sleep. I mean, it puts me to sleep. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and it's, it does have a deliciousness to it. That's so like ice cream, you know, oh, and completely. it's like, and I'm sure it puts so many parts of my body to go to sleep. Like people say they eat, they, they get up, they go to eat cereal and then they want to fall back asleep at 8 a.m. I'm like, yeah, because cereal's not a great idea. <laughs> you know, no matter how much protein the box says, it's a grain or whatever. And so, yeah. but here's the thing. It's like, you know, if exactly what you just said, it's like, you know, they didn't know. And, and it's no longer really a blame game. It's more just like, who am I? Who am I from the shaping and the shedding? who am I? And so, you know, such a big part of this conversation and what I share at the end of the book is gathering a team, you know, like you were saying early on that like our, our work is, you know, we're, we're in the same field, you know, in the realms of different things that we're up to and how, you know, I would be so curious to know like, Ooh, that would be really cool to collaborate or to see where, because some people really do need, you know, nutrition in this other way, but then this emotional component too. And I'm all about most of my clients gather a team when they work with me, because it's so important to have the energy person, the body work and being touched the, you know, whatever it is that you Mm -hmm. need the therapist. Um, This work is very, very much a therapy. And I'm not, you know, I don't have a a master's in psychology. I'm a kitchen healer, you know? And so I make sure that that's all, oh, you know what? This is out of my wheelhouse. I, you know, let's refer you to this person. And, And what's so beautiful about the team idea is you don't need to be in the emergency room to have a team. That's a cultural thing, you know, oh my God, how could I ever have a time? And, you know, is this woman a billionaire? No, thank you for, again, all the stories we were sold and we bought them and how we were shaped. You know, there's many people that can be on a team, whatever it is, if you're hungry for it, you'll, you'll gather it, you know, and it's, and it is possible for us to heal really efficiently when we have a team. Totally. And, and, you know, the team is so much more than the modality, right? We, you and I both know that. Right. The team is connection and the team is like the right person at the right Reflection, time. Being yeah. modeled, the re- yeah. being reflected, like, hey, I heard you say this. And then it's like, oh, I did. You know, that changed my life. Having having coaches that reflected me. I was like, what? Like, yeah, I did say that. Oh, that's but that's what you said. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even know I said that, you know. Yeah. There's one thing I want to say before we before we get too far away from this little serial piece. And that is um, recently I had some family come to town and they, my family's from Canada. So there was like this whole, you know, let's go to whole foods and target and things they don't have in Canada. And my brother and his wife were here and they quickly wanted to go buy cereal milk ice cream. Okay. Have you heard of this? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was like the top mm-hmm. of their list. So we're like going through Whole Foods. They're like, I know it's got to be here. This famous chef, you know. And yeah, then, she's super famous. The milk, and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. That stuff is so good. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we like genius. cereal exactly. as a culture. It was I like, mean, that, I was that like, makes the most sense. So don't have the cereal in the morning, but have that ice cream at some point in the week. You know, like. <laughs> This is the best thing I've had in a long time. It's dangerous. And there's not that many foods where I feel like I lose control, but I was like, I don't know if I feel so in control around the cereal milk ice cream right now. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, it's a ge- it was genius. It was genius. Timing totally genius. Just mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. it. Totally. Um, so there's this prose, I think we call it a prose in your book that I read that was so spoke to me so much. And I just want to see if you can speak to it a little bit more. And that is um you ask others what they are hungry for, but maybe you forgot to ask yourself, what are you hungry for? And man, that one lands for me so much. Um, as women, we give, 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 we give to everyone else in our lives. And it can just be so hard to remember to feed ourselves. Mm. I do this all the time inside my life. I totally forget in every single way, wash your hands. And then I'm like grabbing something and I'm like, wait, I didn't wash my hands. (laughs) Oh no. You know what? You gotta, you know, make sure you drink some water. And then I'm like, wait, have I drank any water? I mean, it's so easy (laughs) to tell someone else to do something. (laughs) Um, Especially when you put it under the, the veil of amazing, you know, or the idea that we're parenting or mothering in this amazing way. No, we're not freaking get in your own lane. Are you thirsty? You know, I'm talking to myself, of course, with a little more of a loving font. Um, but <laughs> I will, I'll be in the kitchen going like, okay, wash your, and then I'll, you know, grab a grape or, and then I'm like, wait, I didn't even wash my hands. Like, choosy. And I'll, I'll actually say it out loud because, um, because I'm a little crazy. No, I'm kidding. Not why. <laughs> that's not why. Um, but because naming it disperses the stuff on it. Yeah. So I'll say it out loud and my, my kids will hear me. I'll be like, Oh my God, I had you guys wash your hands. I didn't wash my hands. There we go again. And like, I don't even know why I'm doing that other than like, wow, this is really something that I continue to do, you know? And the more I name it, the more I invite myself closer to it. Like it's not a hidden shamey secret. I am trying to rewrite, or I really don't love the word trying. So we'll put it in maybe parentheses or just completely delete it. Um, but I am, I am rewriting the story of most women, not, not just me. This is not an I journey. It's, it really is cultural. And so, you know, I, I speak in the book, not in that same area, but I talk about selflessness And like, if you define, you know, if you go and you look up selflessness, it is no self. Hmm. It's not Hmm. like something to work toward. No. (laughs) It's something to like beep, beep, back up the truck and like reroute the whole journey. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, I don't want to be selfless. I don't want to have no self. I don't want to model having no self to my daughter and to my son. And so I name it to almost like throw a seed out that, you know, I'm going to tend it. And they might even say to me, Hey, have you had some water, (laughs) you know? And so it can become more of a collective act because yeah, yeah, I'm like, you know, running the, the, you know, I'm driving the car and then it's like, wait, am I really driving the car? You know, like how, how well am I doing this? You know? And again, not the perfectionist, enoughness piece, which I talk about throughout the entire book, because it's such a big part of what it looks like to nourish our deepest lives. Um, And really like slowing it down, 
like slowing it down, like how important is it, you know, which is more of a recovery term, but it's something I use all the time. How important is it? Like how does it need to be the exact idea that I had 10 seconds ago? No, because, oh, there's all these dishes in the thing. And okay, tonight I'm leading a thing and then I'm, okay, let's see what's doable for my nervous system and what's gonna support everyone. Cause when I'm fed, everyone is fed. And, and if I keep feeding them and they don't see me nourish in all the, in all the ways of living, decision-making, filling my schedule, overworking, it's not gonna serve. And my whole thing is serving a new story. Like that's the yeah. whole, my whole life is about that awareness. Cause I, I didn't grow up with a model with that awareness. And so the fact that that wasn't like known by my parent, um, really, I mean, it, it's had a profound effect to me on me. It's, it, it created a profession. Yeah. It's, it was, it's been, you know, cause it was, it was violent and painful for really, I mean, for no reason, really. I mean, like, and I don't mean like to not validate it, but it's like, oh, it was cultural and it was historical and it was patriarchal and it was all these things. And, you know, it, it shaped, it shaped this conversation we're having. And it also, there was so much pain in it. Yeah. That didn't need to be there if there was awareness. And so I guess my life's path is really to wear that headlamp and say, hey, you know, for someone that's interested, not to unsolicit, but to, <laughs> and that I'm learning forever, um, or be self-righteous, but to really, for those who are hungry, hey, do you see that part in the corner there? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, okay, let's look at it. Oh, the stirring of the, the tea. Oh, I didn't know that that was connected to this. Oh, I could, I could start speaking to myself and, and giving myself permission in a different way now, like, because I really am amazing and enough, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, and then that ripples all the way back and changes the lives of all the people who are not even here anymore. Yeah. 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 It's like collective healing it's and totally collective rewriting. Healing. Yes. So many different layers to it. And it's like lineage but it's also like for forward lineage, right? You know, of course. Ascendance for sure. Absolutely. And for sure. And um, we can also give the permission of like, there's only so much I can do in one generation. Oh, completely. And it's okay. Like if I could just get <laughs> not controlling every single second down, I'm going to, I change something, you know? I mean, Absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And like calming down for me, like just calming my system and like noticing when the, when the tightness comes in or when the nervous exactly. system clenches or when the mind spirals out, cause yes. there's so many things to do. It's like, okay, just take a deep breath. That's like you in the kitchen last night. Just like, yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, wait, I'm going to feel my feet here. Like, I'm just going to, yeah. oh, I could enjoy this. Absolutely. It's like, oh, I mean, that's, it's so profound and it's so quiet and yet it's so vital, like meaning vital. If you want to live well, yeah, you could totally choose to just be stressed the whole time. And then we're all so surprised when we have like an immuno issue or we have, you know, 
our cells attacking themselves because like, you know, we chose to just be constantly stressed or we didn't know that we had a choice. And so you just sharing that, it's like, oh my God, I can make that choice and it's quiet and we're with you, you know? Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. One really beautiful piece of your work and of your book that has been landing so much for me and bringing up a lot of memories is, is what you, what you called for listeners, Woodboard love, because I had one of my closest friends all through when my kids were young, we used to be neighbors. We both single parented two kids each. We traded kids constantly and we sat around um, her kitchen Island. Like we should have a backdrop in our friendship that was like Sue and Teresa and the kitchen Island, you know, because that's where it all happened. Like everything happened at the kitchen Island. And, you know, there was always like, the wood board with whatever, you know, sometimes it was like scrappy baby carrots that had been in the fridge for too long. And like, and like, you know, organic ranch dip or something like that. And sometimes it was elaborate, you know, cheeses that we spent blew our budget buying or what have you. And sometimes it was a glass of wine. And I was thinking about all the things that happened at the kitchen Island, you know, with the, the wood board. And I was just thinking like, man, like, I was on like match.com and met my like life partner at the kitchen Island. I was like, you know, we were like helping each other through broken hearts and kid trauma and financial stress. And, you know, and then we were also like laughing and, you know, having so much joy around the kitchen Island and around these beautiful boards of whatever, whatever the hell that that was on them, the randomness, right? Like, oh, have some clementines and, you know, like. (laughs) And so it, you know, can we just speak a little bit to that for people? Because I know that that's so integral in like what you bring and what you share and it's, it's, it's doable. It's yes. Doable. Yes. Doable. Oh my God. I love that. I'm, I'm with you, with you and Teresa and your, your old selves <laughs> shedding and growing and healing single moms. Totally. I mean, it's so amazing and whatever you could find in there, totally the baby carrots. I mean, like. I love that image so much. And it's so true. It's just, you put it on a board and something changes. You cut off the strawberry top, you, you slice the apple, you, it just, it's, it's there and it's there for you. And, and there's nothing like that. There's nothing like being served. There's nothing like, you know, being served and, and being served from someone who's nourished. And so, you know, and shopping for the board, you know, it, you don't need a list. You're just, oh my God, that's going to be great on the board. That's going to be great on the, you know, and, and when you're cooking, you know, it's like make a board and just have it out. So people aren't waiting for you. You know, it's like all the things that, um, that we do, you know, we wait, we wait and we, we, um, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, eat too much and we don't want to, you know, we're just, again, the control and, the angst that you were kind of speaking to earlier, just the like, you know, and just like, if we drop that, if we drop in actually like my, my skateboarding son, if we drop into the Woodford love, you know, or the kitchen Island, like you're saying, just like I dropped in, you know, to the bowl. I do. It's yeah. Like, I do you know so, about the dropping in? Exactly. Or the snowboarding. Right. And yeah. so it's just like, if we dropped in, what would happen? And I always say you're going to have a body tomorrow. 
you know, like this idea of like, you got to eat your dinner, you got to eat your plate. I mean, it's only, I know you, I'm sure, I am assuming, but I am sure this is a number one story of those who come to you. It's like, uh, no one ever said ever that like, oh, finishing my whole plate of food I didn't like was great for me and my whole, you know, adult life with a body as a woman. I mean, like, I, you know, it's like, that's been a main story. Like I had to finish it. And I, one friend of mine was sharing about how she had to finish her milk and like mm -hmm. she was totally lactose intolerant. I mean, it was like an issue, you know, like you yeah. were sharing about the cereal, like no one was listening. Yeah. You know, they were coming out of the depression. Like we're so lucky eat this and it's going to be yeah. healthy for you. No one was thinking about, you know, any kind of, again, trauma or anything that was happening. So Woodboard Love is just freedom. It's permission. It's ease. It's totally the bridge, right? Between having a crazy day, which could be every day, and getting home. Even if you're somebody who is single parenting, you are working and you get home at six and you know you got to get dinner going, make a wood board first. Just get food out. And mm -hmm. as that's out, like it's a party, just a cut up apple, cut up cheddar, um, whatever it is, you might have just picked up half a roasted chicken in the store and you're just going to make some rice or maybe you're going to microwave the rice. I don't care what you're going to do, how you're going to get this warm, preyed on food into your family and you. Start with cutting something up. Just cut up some carrots from the lunch that weren't eaten, whatever it is like we were sharing. And, and just food out changes the entire energy, the rhythm, the dynamic of that angst. It's just out. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. I mean, even if you defrost it at a mame, it takes three seconds in a boiling pot while you're trying to make the pasta. Great, get some protein. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a matter of getting those things. And honestly, I always say, if it's not a cooking night, go out. I mean, like what? Like whatever it's gotta be so that the stress, of it doesn't win. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's really it. And I'm sure you see this and, and, and are navigating this with your clients all the time. It's like, we just are so used to seeing stress and angst and that event like perfectionism associated with the kitchen 24 seven. So you're either running as far away from that and never doing that. And it's in and out until the cows come home or whatever, whatever, um, everybody has near them, you know, whatever the, we have in and out, um, right down the street. Um, and you know, or it's, you know, co and whatever, like, no, there's a middle way. Mm -hmm. And that middle way is wood board love. That middle way is, oh, I remember I got a little one extra dish from that lunch, put it on the wood board while I make the dinner, because I have values in cooking. And I really want to cook because actually it really helps me. Okay, well, then dinner's going to be at seven. And at six, I'm going to, you know, and if that's, too, I'm going to put out the wood board. And if that's too stressful, then, you know, like, how can I nourish myself to nourish them? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I love it. It also was really um, a great, when I used to, when my kids were little, I used to put the wood board out with like vegetables and 
you know, something to dip them in, right? Like just something. Love a dipping. Yeah. And it's just like, it was amazing. Like I would even tell them I put it out. I would just put it on the kitchen table and I would just see what happens. And like, it wasn't like you have to eat these vegetables or like you should eat these vegetables or whatever it was, you know, it was just like random celery sticks or whatever. But man, it was so wild to just see like how in our own sovereignty, I guess we could say, in our, even as, as young kids, they would still like find their way there somehow. It was like, it was like a wild animal, like, oh, there's food somewhere out on a table somewhere. I'm going to find it. Exactly. And then all of a sudden there's like, they're eating food that they didn't normally eat, or they're trying new things or they're nourishing themselves, you know, in a way that was um, sustaining them. And, you know, it was one of the things that saved me as a parent um, in that way. And, so thank you for bringing that to the light in your work and really like bringing the loving side of it out and kind of pulling that out of us because it's there. And it's so there. And like you said, it's so doable. Like no one, nobody can say I can't slice an apple and, you know, put a block of cheddar on a on a board, right? Like no, people can, oh, I can do that. And I can do that. That term, I can do that. It's a life-changing term. I can do that. I Oh yeah, that sounds like something I can do instead of all the super fancy cookbooks, most of them I have in love. Um, but do I use them? Probably not. I just love the photos and seeing, oh, pomegranates could go well with quinoa, you know, um, and, and, and how not accessible they are to those who are, you know, really living the hard life. But again, that's the story we're carrying. And that's the relationship we're at, where we are with in that story. So if we nourish and feed that story, so many more things become possible, you know? Impossibility is that beautiful energy and quality and element that really is a game changer, right? Like if we know there's possibility, then we can like kind of soften into it instead of feeling like we're limited or we're stuck or we're, you know, in a place where we feel hopeless, like possibility is everything. It's everything. And it's, you know, the more we tend it, you know, the more we tend it, the more space is made for the miracles to come because, and it really is a faith. And I, I have to say, I'm in a long conversation with faith and what that means. And you know, where it is. And, and, and when I just stop doing that (laughs) and I'm just, you know, and I say this in the book, it's like a life happening for you, no matter what comes my way. And, and so much has in my, in my life, I've been invited forward in very, very deep ways with mortality. And um, now I'm inside some very deep things as this birth, as this birth occurs with this book. And I know it's all for me. And what I mean by that is it means I can hold a deeper, wider container for us. Yeah. And and that's it. Like I said, yes to spirit. I say yes to, to mama earth. I say yes to being here. I'm, I say yes to life and life says, okay, here's another really hard thing. I say, okay. Yeah. Show me the way, show me the way I'm here for it. Show me the way. Yeah. And so that's, and that, that changes shaping too, because I didn't see that. Beautiful. 
Oh, I love this conversation. And I feel like, you know, there's many layers that we could keep diving into, but there's one question I love to ask at the end of my podcast. And hopefully I think we've probably touched on it, but, um, but that is like, what does it mean to be satiated to you? Hmm. Hold on. Let me look up the word. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tells me I've done that a few times. Um, I mean, the, the, the beginning, the first thing that comes is lightness. So when I'm fed, when I'm satiated, I am light. I am lighter. I am, I am light. I'm a light version of myself. I'm a lighter version of myself. And that is really, truly serves everyone around me. When I'm lighter and I'm not carrying that heaviness, which is a hunger. Um, and so much of what we talked about today has, has so much heaviness. And when I'm sated or satiated, nourished, fed, I'm, I am lighter. And that is, that is what comes is lightening the heaviness that, that I carry. Um, my default is usually it's light, you know, my, my, my awakened default is lightness. Um, but on my own in the morning, waking up and going through deep invitations that life is offering me, it's heavy. Yeah. And so my journey through the day is lighting the fire and lightening my way so that I can be lighter on the earth. And so that's what it is for me to be satiated. Mm. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you. I loved being with you. Oh my gosh. I love being with you too, Jules. And it's so, so great to learn more about you and your work and your book and like you and all this beauty that you're bringing to the world. Thank you. I love it. Love your pink hair. Love all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Thanks, Jules. Thanks, Sue. It is such an honor to spend time with you here on Satiate. And may this conversation be of benefit. From my heart to yours, I wish you health and happiness for the coming season. And may we meet again here very soon. Take good care.